to the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, June 24th. On today's show, we take a look at a rare championship Saturday on the ATP and WTA tours. The action in Mallorca, Eastbourne, and Bad Hamburg all wrapping up a day early this week, given the fact that the year's third Grand Slam begins on Monday. That's right, folks. The 2022 Wimbledon now officially around the corner. We here at Cracked Rackets have been preparing by covering the tournament from every angle over on our Great Shot podcast feed. If you've missed any of those episodes, we've talked top five contenders in the women's singles draw with David Gertler, top five contenders in the men's singles draw with David Kane. We also broke down the women's dark horses with Chris Otto, and we will continue to preview that slam over the course of the next few days. We'll talk men's dark horses, Americans in the draw, and then, of course, offer a draw preview to all of you before Wimbledon begins play on Monday. Of course, if you've missed any of those episodes, again, you can find them on the Great Shot podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, before we get to the start of that 2022 Wimbledon, have to take care of this week's tour level action. And certainly, if you've been tuning into the Mini Break podcast here this week, you know the value I place on the pre-Wimbledon tournaments in particular. There just aren't that many weeks of grass court tennis on the ATP or WTA tour calendar. As such, these players don't have the biggest sample sizes of grass court matches for us to turn to and say, hey, this player is definitively good on grass grass courts. This player clearly views this surface as a weak spot for them. It's just hard for us to make those sorts of approximations, those sorts of judgments, I should say, given the fact that so frequently we have fewer than 30 or 20 matches in terms of the body of work to turn to. Now, this week on the WTA Tour in particular, we've seen a couple of players with track records of grass court success seem to be peaking at the perfect moment. Of course, I'm referring to both Petra Kvitova and Yelena Ostapenko, who were each outstanding today in their respective victories in Eastbourne. For Kvitova, a hard-fought straight-set victory over the very much informed Beatrice Haddad Maya. The match was spectacular. Both players playing some of their best tennis at various points of the match. And for Kvitova, who was knocked off by Haddad Maya last week, she's found her footing here on the grass courts of Eastbourne. Kvitova, a two-time Wimbledon champion. I want to explain what's allowed her to be so effective this week. Why that success should translate into next week's Wimbledon action as well. Of course, on the flip side, we all know what the upside of Yelena Ostapenko can be. For God's sake, she's a Grand Slam champion. But man, there are times when Ostapenko is just unplayable. Today was one of those days against Camilla Georgie. I'll explain why. Preview the Kvitova Ostapenko bash uh, that we are all looking forward to tomorrow and again get into all of that WTA Eastbourne action of course there was also WTA action happening in Bad Hamburg and unfortunately maybe the match of the day in Bianca Andreescu against Simona Halep was ultimately canceled Halep pulling out of the match due to an injury sounds like she's being more conservative 
than anything else in making this decision. But, man, Andrescu Halep could be. I haven't looked too closely at the draw. Feels like that could be, though, a later stage match at the 2022 Wimbledon. And, unfortunately, while we were robbed of that, we were not robbed of three-set tennis. Caroline Garcia advancing to her first final since 2019, knocking off Alize Cornet. I'll explain why Garcia was able to advance today, why she is always a tough out on these grass courts, of course. On the men's side, the battles in Eastbourne, Mallorca continuing. We have an all-American men's final in Eastbourne. That's always excited for us here at Cracked Rackets. It's going to be Maxime Cressy taking on Taylor Fritz, of course, for Fritz. This year's Indian Wells champion has dealt with so many different nagging injuries since earning the biggest title of his career, but he looks fit and he is smoking. The ball from the baseline played outstanding tennis today in a three-set victory over Alex Diemenauer. On the flip side, Max Cressy going to Cressy. We know, and I spoke about him yesterday, the analysis for Cressy, match in, match out, it does not change. We know what Cressy's going to bring to the court each and every time he steps onto it. The six foot six former UCLA All-American going to serve and volley, going to chip the return and follow it in, going to put so much pressure on you. That game style, particularly particularly effective on the slick surface that is a grass court and Cressy executed his game plan flawlessly today against Jack Draper advancing to the final in Eastbourne. I'll talk about each of those Eastbourne semifinals preview the All-American final. Then of course we had action in Mallorca not to be forgotten. Stefano Tsitsipas into I believe the first grass court final of his career. I have talked all week about the serve plus one forehand combination his willingness to move forward why I think there is a pathway for him to find success on this surface this week in Mallorca. A testament to that estimation by me. So as always, I'm the superstar uh, here, not Tsitsipas. But no, simply put, Tsitsipas so efficient today on serve in a 6-4, 6-4 victory over Benjamin Bonesy and for Stefano Tsitsipas to gain this sort of grass court confidence going into Wimbledon. He lost here first round last season against Francis Tiafo for him uh, to gain some grass court success heading into the event, obviously massive uh, given uh, his lack of track record on the surface. I want to talk about what allowed him to play today, why I think tomorrow's matchup against the always disciplined Roberto Bautista Agut presents a fantastic, you know what's coming, litmus test sort of match for Stefano Tsitsipas again on today's show. We'll talk Eastbourne, Bad Hamburg, and Mallorca as we get set for the 2022 Wimbledon to begin. Of course, the reason we are able to do that day in, day out here at Crack Rackets is because of the support we get from all of you listeners who continue to tune in day in, day out. And I'm always immensely grateful for the feedback we receive from all of you. I will try my best to slow down. I know I am a fast talker. I have been burdened with that character trait uh, since I was a young boy. And unfortunately, I get so excited about the action that happens on tour. So many different thoughts about each of these players. Sometimes I know I get ahead of myself. I will try to do better moving forward. But again, any constructive criticism, any thoughts you all have, things you'd like us to cover moving forward, feel free to let us know on Twitter, on social media, Instagram, at Cracked Rackets. I am at A.L. Gruskin in particular, of course. Always helps us when you go leave that five-star review and go leave uh, some words as well over on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, wherever it is you 
are listening to the show. But seriously, we are immensely grateful that all of you continue to tune in. We know it's our job to keep you informed, keep you educated. We will continue to try to do that. And by the way, we will have daily podcasts, daily podcasts. Scream at me on Twitter if that's not the case, but it is going to be the case. Daily podcast recapping all of the action at Wimbledon. Excited for that slam to get underway. Of course, a shout out as always to our friends at Tennis Point as well. You all know the deal. Tennis-point.com for the latest and greatest equipment at the best prices. You use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point, simple, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into Friday's action on the ATP and WTA Tour. And the place I want to start is with Eastbourne on the women's side because this does feel like the most relevant action as we all begin to turn our attention towards next week's Wimbledon. Petra Kvitova, if she continues to serve this well, can absolutely make a run through the Wimbledon draw. You look for Petra Kvitova this week in terms of the numbers on serve for her. She has four victories in total on the week. She's been broken a grand total of two times. Perhaps more impressively, she's faced just 10 break points in four matches in nine sets of tennis. Just eight break points faced. She was outstanding. On serve today against Beatriz Haddad Maya, ultimately earning a 7-6-6-4 victory. It wasn't just the first serve. And while it always helps to make two-thirds of your first serves, as she did today, she won 72% of her first serve points. Kvitova also won 74% of her second serve points. And there were two instances in particular I would turn to. It was two-all in the first set breaker, four-all. In the first set breaker, in both of those instances, and credit to Beatriz Haddad Maya, who played outstanding tennis herself, confirms everything we thought about her despite ultimately losing a match on the grass courts heading into Wimbledon. But the way she competed today, the fact that she was only broken once on serve, that she was able to match plus one prowess, not plus one power, but plus one prowess, plus one efficiency, able to convert and protect her own serve. She was able to go plus one to plus one with Petra Kvitova, but Petra Kvitova's plus one was better down the home stretch, was more reliable. Petra Kvitova at two all misses the first serve. Petra Kvitova at four all in the breaker misses the first serve. She lands massive second serves on both of those points and is ultimately able to then subsequently find plus one forehands to efficiently put away end the point. I believe on the two all point, it ultimately ended with an overhead, but that overhead set up by the Petra Kvitova plus one forehand When she serves this well, there are times when she's just unplayable. And for Petra Kvitova, I went through all of these numbers yesterday. But yes, she's 24 and 21 in her last 52 weeks. Yes, even with this uh, four-run win victory run, excuse me, for her in Eastbourne, she's 14 and 13 overall on the year. That means she was 10 and 13 coming into the season. Uh, coming into this tournament. Excuse me. That said, you look for Kvitova. She went 1-4 during the clay court stretch. Clay courts, unfortunately for her, just didn't quite have her feet under her, was never her fittest, never moving her best, uh, just 
did not find her rhythm throughout the course of the clay court season. She then loses her first match of the grass court season to Beatrice Haddad-Maya. But of course, Haddad-Maya has been exceptional throughout the course of this grass court season. And ultimately, Kvitova gets her revenge here today. You look for Petra Kvitova. This is the big number I will continue to turn to. For her career, 63-21 and 21 in grass court matches. She has won 75% of the grass court matches she's played in her career. All of her strengths amplified on the surface. The first serve win percentage jumps up from you know 68% for her career to 71%. Overall, the second serve win percentage for her career, Petra Kvitova, overall, again, this is across surfaces, Petra Kvitova averages a 48.8% win percentage on grass courts, of course, and this should be the case given the surface, but 52.5%. So you're taking a perennial top 10 server and putting her on a surface that amplifies her strength the most. The key for Kvitova is always the movement. How fit is she? Because when she has an extra split second to get to the ball to set her feet, she possesses the sort of Serena Williams power tennis country club tennis that she just plays on her terms. And of course, the leftiness always helps as well. Petra Kvitova was outstanding today. And again, credit to Beatrice Haddad-Maya, who gets broken early in set number two. And to Petra Kvitova's credit, she was serving so well, it allowed her to be that much more aggressive as a return, allowed her to take big cuts, first serve return, second serve return, didn't matter. She was able to lace some balls at Haddad Maya's feet. Haddad Maya did a great job of redirecting those shots. Haddad Maya did a good job of absorbing the first blow of Kvitova, getting Kvitova stretched, and then doing some damage on her own. But again, Kvitova's best was just better than Haddad Maya's best in this match. And I, I have been thoroughly impressed by Petra Kvitova this week and all week long. I mentioned it. She has made at least 63% of her first serves in every match she's played. She's averaging 68% on the first serve through four matches of play. She's winning over 76% of her first serve points. She's winning over 65% of her second serve points. This is peak serving Petra this week, and we all know when Petra serves this well, opportunities are created. So credit to Petra Kvitova cruises with, uh, I shouldn't say cruises, that's disrespectful, earns a hard-fought victory over the player who has been the best grass court player on the WTA Tour to date this season, thus Patrick Kvitova back in the mix as we look towards this Wimbledon. And I will take a moment to look at the Wimbledon women's draw. You look for Petra Kvitova, who, of course, ultimately is seated in the women's draw. Now, Jasmine Paulini, you know, her best surface has never been the grass courts. But certainly Paulini always presents a tough out. You look uh, for Kvitova moving forward. I think the big thing for her in terms of the seed in her section, Paula Bedosa, the number four seed, would be her third round match. Look, Bedosa hasn't played the much, the most grass court tennis. Yes, she made the second week last season, but you know, I always think to stress Petra Kvitova more than anything. You have to have the weapons to get her stretched into the outer third. You know, the Yastremska second round match could be fascinating as well if Yastremska gets their ooh, Halep round four. 
It's going to be fascinating matchups. Fascinating section of the draw for Petra Kvitova. If she serves like this, she can absolutely be in the mix against anyone. And, of course, as can Yelena Ostapenko, whose serve has run hot and cold at various points uh, throughout the course of her career. But Ostapenko has been outstanding. This week on serve and was outstanding once again today, earning a 6-2, 6-2 victory over Camilla Georgie. It took Ostapenko about 20 minutes, 22 minutes to work her way into this match. It was two all through the first set. Then she found the rhythm and how to read the Camilla Georgie serve. And then this match was over because the way Yelena Ostapenko was leaning into her forehand, crushing the return of serve, Georgie had no opportunity to get into the match. Georgie had no opportunity to impose herself and dictate at all, you know, whatsoever, other than trying to rip big on the second serve return. And Ostapenko didn't give her many chances to do that. Ostapenko made 65% of her first serves in this match. She won a tournament high 78% of her first serve points. She's over 73% for the tournament right now. She also won 59% of her second serve points, faced and saved both uh, of the two break points, excuse me, that she faced. This is the second match in a row against Kalnina yesterday. She came out a little bit slow. There were a few errors piling up at the beginning, then she found her rhythm, then she found a read on the Kalanina serve, on the Kalanina rally ball, and Ostapenko right now has regained that confidence that we saw from her in the Middle East during this stretch of time last season, and of course, Ostapenko won this Eastbourne title last season, now back into the final once again, has been dominant, has yet to drop a set, 9 for 9 so far in this tournament, when she hits the forehand this well, she's just unplayable, you look for Ostapenko holding 69.9% of the time this season, now that number still below the average of a top 50 WTA player who holds 70% of the time. But that's 69.9%, a career high for Yelena Ostapenko, 8.3% above her career average. Ostapenko does, you know, just turned 25 years old this month. The serve is something you can always continue to improve throughout the course of your career. And, of course, Ostapenko, who at 41.3% break percentage is a perennial top 15 returner on the WTA Tour. The serve is catching up. And for Ostapenko, when she's having success behind her own serve, it just allows her to take that that much bigger of a cut on the return of serve. And when she plays her best power tennis, she's just unplayable. And I, I don't have much more commentary to add beyond that. Just go watch her turn into return of serve after return of serve. And just, again, how short these points were. Ostapenko was ending the point immediately on her turns, was seeing the ball so cleanly. Such an outstanding performance. And look, Kvitova Ostapenko, four and four career head-to-head. Four of those eight matches have gone three sets, and, you know, they haven't played on a grass court since 2016. Ostapenko, a three-set victory when they did back in Birmingham again, 2016. The last time they played was Dubai earlier this season was a 7-6 in the third victory for Yelena Ostapenko. Plus one, power tennis at its finest. And we thought today Camilla Georgie might have a chance to impose her will uh, or at least match the power tennis of Yelena Ostapenko. She wasn't able to. Now, the difference is Petra Kvitova has the sort of first serve, a weapon that will throw Ostapenko off her spot, will be able to disrupt the aggression of Ostapenko on the return of serve. 
The thing is, Patrick Kvitova, as a lefty, loves to hit that slice down the tee, loves to on the deuce side, loves to hit that slice out wide on the ad side. The Ostapenko backhand is the more dangerous of the two returns, and you hang anything short, Ostapenko makes you pay. Now, Kvitova, I think if she continues to serve this well, she will be able to disrupt the Ostapenko return of serve, and I think Petra Kvitova will have enough opportunities you know, unless Ostapenko, I mean, Ostapenko is serving extraordinarily well right now. Again, whoever blinks on the serve, I know that's astute analysis, Alex. Whoever serves better is going to win, but that's how important the first serve and the ability to be the aggressor is on a grass court. But that's an outstanding championship match in Eastbourne. Ostapenko, Kvitova, again, 4 4 career head to head. According to Tennis Abstract, Ostapenko, a 53.9% favorite in tomorrow's match, according to our friends at DraftKings. They see things slightly. Uh, Pretty similar. Ostapenko minus 140, Kvitova plus 105. So, again, we all think it's going to be a close match. Promise is to be a good one tomorrow in Eastbourne, of course. Over in Bad Hamburg, only have one match to break down today. Shout out to Caroline Garcia. 7-6-3-6-7-5 victory over Alize Corday. Anytime you play two hours of 45 minutes of tennis on a grass court, I mean, grass court matches just typically aren't that physical. Today's match was, and credit to Caroline Garcia. I may have mentioned this yesterday as well. You look for Garcia, who reached her second semifinal of the season uh, here in Bad Hamburg, fourth quarterfinal overall, but this is her first final since 2019. And for Caroline Garcia, overall in her career, WTA tour-level matches, Caroline Garcia 277 and 235, a 54% win percentage. You look for her in her career on grass courts, 38 and 23, 62% win percentage. When she can play the aggressive front foot tennis, first strike tennis that's rewarded on this surface, it brings out the best in Caroline Garcia, who, of course, has won multiple titles on the grass in Majorca 2016, Nottingham back in 2019 as well. Garcia, round of 16 at Wimbledon back in 2017. A, Caroline Garcia moves extraordinarily well on this surface. Her length rewarded. I think she's strong out of her corners. The power she can generate in the corners, it's just, again, with depth generated out of corners, it's difficult to respond to on this surface given how slick it is underneath your feet that you don't have your footing. And again, the risk Garcia plays with rewarded very much on this surface. And Caroline Garcia was number four in the world. It's not a novel take to say her best aggressive tennis can do damage against any opponent. But Garcia played, again, disciplined tennis today. And even through the bouts of errors, Garcia continued to attack, continued to be the aggressor. And ultimately, that aggression won out 7-5 in the third set. You look for Garcia made two-thirds of her first serves, fought off six of the nine break points that she faced. And, you know, again, just kept it. I, I thought her first serve was the biggest weapon on the court, her plus one tennis, and that plus one tennis ultimately wins out in the end. So fantastic performance for her. Now she's going to take on Bianca Andrescu. Andrescu again advancing after Simona Halep forced to withdraw. But that's your action on the WTA side. I suppose it's worth mentioning Andre or Caroline Garcia actually, given that grass course track record of success, 50.3% favorite over Andrescu according to Tennis Abstract. 
Now, that is not the case, according to our friends at DraftKings and Rescue, a prohibitive minus 320 favorite. But that's where things stand on the women's side. Now, you look over on the men's side. It was a similarly fascinating day of tennis. Let's start in Eastbourne where we have an All-American final, and it's not happening at the John Isner Open. Nope, it's Taylor Fritz taking on Maxime Cressy on the grass courts of Eastbourne. Fritz, Cressy, each earning three-set victories on the day. Let's start with Taylor Fritz. And certainly when you look for Taylor Fritz, this season reaching his first, second week at a Grand Slam at the 2022 Australian Open, that was a big breakthrough for him at the Slams. But you go back in time early in his career, Fritz certainly had some notable moments at Wimbledon. You go back to 2016 where, you know, he loses a four-set first-round match to the number four seed in Stan Wawrinka. 2017, he qualifies for Wimbledon before getting knocked out by John. John Isner, 2018, wins his first-round match before going five sets and ultimately knocked off by Alex Zverev, was knocked off in four sets by Alex Zverev last season. Fritz has always looked good on the grass courts, and you look for Taylor Fritz in his career in grass court matches. Now 15-16 and 16 overall, but of course won the Eastbourne title back in 2019 and, again, has been frisky on grass courts throughout the course of his career. You have to look for Taylor Fritz. If you write off the first, let's see, three, six, nine, he lost nine of his first 11 grass court matches. If you write those off, all of them taking place prior to 2019, he's what, you know, then 12 and eight overall on grass court since becoming a top 50 guy on the ATP tour. And certainly his serve makes sense on a grass court, right? Taylor Fritz, seemingly perennially will be a top 25, top 20 sort of guy in hold percentage. You look for Taylor Fritz this season already, and understandably a career high hold percentage for him, 84.7%. That is a top 20 number on the ATP tour. His ability to hit his spots, his ability to create create openings and angles on the court with the various spins he can employ, whether it's going flat, whether it's sliced wide, whether it's kick wide with his serve. He just opens up lanes for himself to attack. And the aggressiveness and assertiveness with which he attacked Alex Diemenauer today uh, in set number one, that might have been the best single set of grass court tennis I've seen throughout the, these three weeks of warm-up events. I mean, Taylor Fritz in set number one today made 77% of his first serves, 20 of 26, hit eight winners against five unforced errors, but I don't think that does justice to how much damage he was doing to Alex Diemenauer because you add in the forced errors, uh, you know, the uh, which I believe there had to have been at least 15 of throughout the course of the first set. Demon Hour just so quick. He's going to get his racket on things, not allow Fritz to hit a clean winner. But, I mean, the whip, the heaviness, the angle of the Taylor Fritz cross-court forehand into open space, that thing's just a weapon, an absolute rock on this surface. And, again, with how the heaviness of that ball, how it pushes an opponent back and just has their momentum going backwards in the court, it just creates additional opportunities for Taylor Fritz to attack. And let's be honest, Taylor Fritz has never had the best touch. His drop shot's not going to win him any awards. He's not never going to be confused with one of the best volleyers on the ATP Tour. But he has become competent 
in all of those arenas. He knows when to employ the drop shot. He at least recognizes when to move forward and continues to try to press forward to do so. And this grass court surf surface will reward that because you don't have to hit a perfect volley. This surface with its low bounce is going to bail you out. And as long as you execute the volley properly, usually that gets the job done. Taylor Fritz's aggression and his ability, again, the pace he generates out of that backhand wing, the depth he's able to generate on any spot on the court if he gets his racket on the ball, it's just difficult to deal with on this surface. And it starts with, obviously, the first serve for him, his ability to protect that serve on this surface moving forward going to be critical. But again, go watch the heaviness with which he hit his plus one forehand throughout the course of this match against Alex Diemenauer. And again, some of the backhands out of the corners. He honestly used his length extraordinarily well and continues to look more and more mobile with every passing month. Alex Diemenauer did not play poorly in this match. Did an extraordinary job just to extend the match to a third set and played such a physical match yesterday against Tommy Paul. But again, for Taylor Fritz, 35 winners against 27 unforced errors today. Hit 13 aces, won 75% of his first serve points. Fought off all six break points that he faced, including, again, some clutch plus one serving for him, whether it was an inside-out forehand to fight off break points. Just, again, was able to find big first serves when he needed he played excellent tennis today to knock off the defending champ in Alex Diemenauer. Now Taylor Fritz back into another ATP final. You look for Fritz. He is currently 10th in the ATP points race now. You know, he's 320 points behind 8th place Andre Rublev, but there's still a lot of tennis to go, and he's got an Indian Wells title under his belt, so he should be in that mix in his play at the other events, whether it's, again, round of 16 in Australia, now another final here in Eastbourne. Has clearly been a career year for Taylor Fritz, and uh, good to see him healthy, back in form, no braces on his body, playing fluid and uh, fantastic tennis uh, in Eastbourne. Eastbourne. And now he's going to play the player of the tournament in Maxime Cressy. Now, I went through all the numbers for Cressy yesterday, so I'll just be brief here. Maxime Cressy, in terms of hold percentage on the ATP Tour, through 30 matches this season, he's holding 88.8% of the time. Now, you want to mix in his results here in Eastbourne this week, which certainly grass courts will juice his numbers, but Cressy's now holding 88.9% of the time this season and you know again fought off all six break points that he faced today against Jack Draper and you know was able to just find a ridiculous amount of success winning free points on serve you look for Maxime Cressy today was able to hit 21 aces he only hit you know only landed 70 first serves throughout the course of the match 21 of those 70 were aces it's about 20 you know over 20 percent that gets the job done when one out of every five serves is an ace you're putting yourself in a position for success you look for Cressy, you know, was 39 of 59 at the net and, you know, created 10 breakpoint chances for himself with just his relentlessness just keeps attacking over and over again. And even though he was only able to convert one of those 10 breakpoint chances, that pressure he continued to put 20-year-old Jack Draper under, ultimately it won out down the home stretches of the third set. And credit to Draper, who was able to match the plus-one intensity of Maxime Cressy, who hit 17 aces of his own throughout the course of today's match. But much like Kvitova versus Haddad Maya, Cressy was just a little bit better at playing the plus-one tennis, at being the one getting to the net, at forcing Draper to come up with these magnificent passing shots. And there were moments when Jack Draper was able to do it. 
Again, I'm no one's writing off Jack Draper. Spoiler alert, both of these players will be in my Dark Horse Contenders conversation when we have that conversation uh, for previewing the 2022 Wimbledon. This was plus one serving at its finest. Again, for Max Cressy, you look for him coming into the season. And certainly for Max Cressy, got to give him some credit. Had the big win last year at, at the U.S. Open, knocking off uh, Pablo Carreno Busta in the first round. But for Maxine Cressy in his career, now 21 and 21 overall on the ATP Tour, was, you know, was 7 and 7 coming into the season. It's now 14 and 14 overall on the year has made two ATP level finals in Melbourne earlier this season now here in Eastbourne on the grass courts as well now was it a tough clay court season for Maxime Cressy on the ATP level absolutely only earned one victory and you know certainly a tough loss from him from two sets to love up on Basilis Vili in the Roland Garros first round but this has been the money portion of the calendar for Cressy, and Cressy qualifies in Hala before getting knocked out by the eventual champion, who be Hercots, in three sets in the first round. And, you know, this week has knocked off Nori, Opelka, Evans, Draper, done it in fantastic fashion, so decisive on serve. And for you college tennis fans who listen to this podcast, again, Maxine Cressy rode the bench his first season at UCLA. He's now the highest-ranked UCLA Bruin on tour. It's not former NCAA singles champion Mackie McDonald at 55. It's not former NCAA singles champion Marcos Giron at 65. No, it's Maxime freaking Cressy, who's now all the way up to number 45 in the ATP Live rankings. Top 50 ATP player Maxime Cressy. College tennis, folks. When it works, it works. And for Maxime Cressy, that gave him some time to mature into his body. Certainly, it has worked. Going to be a fun matchup between Cressy and Fritz. First, I believe, in their pro careers. With that in mind, let's move over to Mallorca, where fun semifinal Saturday. Certainly, Roberto Bautista Gut ending the run of Antoine Bellier. I mean, credit to... Bellier, who was down, you know, earns an early break to go up to love in the second set after, you know, fighting off multiple break points that RBA had in set number one. And RBA was so disciplined, just dipping the first uh, return at the feet of Bellier, focusing on, you know, first shot dipped at the feet, second shot, passing shot combinations. But Bellier was everywhere at the net. And Bellier continued to press forward with his block return press to the net that is most effective on this surface. But RBA was ruthless in his intensity, was everywhere around the court and you look for Roberto Bautista Agut now another ATP final for him in his career curious and I'll give you all a second how many ATP finals has RBA made overall in his career if you said this is his 22nd you would be correct 22nd career final for RBA has made a final in every season but 2019 since 2014 I mean again that's what eight of nine years now He's made an ATP final, second final for him this season, won a title earlier in the year in Doha. You look for him overall, second career final on a grass court, first for him since 2014. I mean, the man continues to prove he belongs on tour. And again, 34 years old, but uh, solidifying his spot in the top 20, absolutely dangerous come this 2022 Wimbledon. And you look now uh, for Roberto Bautista Gut overall in his career on grass courts, 40 and 17, 70% win percentage, folks. It's 
the surface he's had the most success on in his career. Of course, he reached the Wimbledon semifinals back in 2019, has reached multiple Wimbledon fourth rounds as well. Keep an eye on RBA, who, of course, is the number 17 seed at this year's event. Of course, who's going to be slightly higher seeded than him in the draw? Number four seed, Stefano Tsitsipas at Wimbledon. Number two seed this week in Mallorca, Tsitsipas. Another straight set win. This time, 6-4, 6-4 over Benjamin Bonzi. Tsitsipas was just ruthless on serve today. Fought off each of the break points he faced, saving, I believe, four of four here. Uh, excuse me, three of three in today's match. He won 76% of his first serves. 23 winners against 13 unforced errors. Just was exceptional with the plus one forehand, his ability to move in behind that ball. Bones, he's such a well-rounded player, so efficient around the court. No wasted movements can generate pace in the outer thirds. Manufacture some physical tennis on this surface, but Tsitsipas found forehands. And again, for Stefano Tsitsipas, yeah, you know, Tsitsipas, who career break percentage 21.2%, 22.4% this season. We know that backhand return is the weakness and the liability you have to attack, but for Stefano Tsitsipas in his career on grass courts, he also holds 86.4% of the time, which would be a top 10 number on the ATP Tour. He can be an elite surfer on any surface. Again, this surface in particular always going to amplify elite servers for Stefano Tsitsipas now who reaches not only his first semifinal, but his first ATP grass court final of his career this week. He's the only player on tour to reach a final on all three surfaces this year thus far, I should say. Uh, credit to Stefano Tsitsipas who, again, has found his footing, has looked better and better and it's an excellent litmus test against RBA tomorrow because RBA is going to extend rallies physically. RBA has got a little bit more juice on his on his forehand, on his passing shot. If you don't perfectly place the approach shot, you leave one hanging. He's going to make you pay better than a Benjamin Bonzi does. How effective is the plus one tennis Stefano Tsitsipas plays? Can it beat the elite defenders on this surface? And then physically, is he going to be able to put enough pressure on RBA as a return of surface? RBA just going to pick on that Stefano Tsitsipas backhand and then you know keep Tsitsipas guessing by moving around the plus one forehand it's going to be a fascinating matchup between these two and certainly Tsitsipas has had the upper hand thus far 2-0 in his career against RBA both of those matchups happening on hard courts great litmus test fascinating litmus test indeed and you know because I mentioned it uh, obviously for the women's side I want to give you all the previews on the men's side Tsitsipas a 54.8% favorite over RBA tomorrow according to our friends at DraftKings Stefano Tsitsipas also the slightest slightest of favorites tomorrow, you look for Stefano Tsitsipas minus 165 against RBA plus 135. That would be the underdog of the day to me. Probably would hit RBA at plus 135 against the rest of them. Although, you know, Fritz minus 190, Cressy plus 155, Fritz a 70.4% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. It's going to be a fun championship Saturday. And of course, we will be back tomorrow to recap all of the action as well. And if you are looking for more Wimbledon preview content, head on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. We've got you covered. All of that content available wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the 
of an editing job he does day in day out making everything possible shout out as well to our friends at tennis point tennis point.com the promo code is cr15 with all that said for the fantastic super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex ruskin you know what we say that's the break and we'll talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone